Well, we're not going to do it that way. I am so sorry. I hope you have rebooted, which is what we had to do here during that song. Something happened with our, uh, our main audio channel, and maybe it has something to do with our geographical location. I don't want to blame it on anybody, but uh, nevertheless, we are back in the saddle, and we are sorry for that temporary glitch. Anyway, back to business as usual. Um, we told you that there were a lot of big things that are happening today, some very important things that we all need to know about. One would think that our president, president of the United States, whoever it is at any time, would be the guy that would be the great leader of the world throughout world history, at least in the last 245 or 50 years, the United States president has always been one of the great leaders in the nation. After all, all American leaders are totally in the tank for pure democracy, liberty and justice, freedom for all, free speech, all of the freedoms that are guaranteed to the American people in our First and Second Amendments, right? Well, maybe not so much anymore. Our current president, he has touted himself as being a great peacemaker, a foreign policy expert. But guess what? His foreign policy ideology falls to pieces where the rubber meets the road. Bob Gates, Robert Gates, formerly head of the CIA, former Secretary of Defense, now he's the president of Texas A&M University. He said something that still sticks. This was about 10 years ago. Bob Gates spoke about our now president, Joe Biden, then Senator Joe Biden, and he made this statement. Joe Biden has never made a good foreign policy decision in the last 35 years. It looks like the same thing is happening again. Biden supposedly was going to be able to broker a peace deal between Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, and Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. Not going to happen. And now we find out today there's a new arbiter in the mix. French sources speaking to Bloomberg, Bloomberg News here in the U.S., revealed that Emmanuel Macron, the French president who recently traveled to Guangdong to hold talks with guess who? Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. Macron apparently has tasked top diplomats from Paris to engage with Beijing and crafting a deal to end the war in Ukraine. Now, according to what we are hearing, the LSA believes that such a deal could possibly be struck by the summer should some conditions be met, namely that Kyiv succeeds in its spring counteroffensive to whatever degree is necessary that Zelensky's government would be able to come to the table with Putin from a position of strength. An official from Macron's office reportedly told the news outlet that the French president has tapped his foreign policy advisor, Emmanuel Bonnet, to work alongside the CCP's top diplomat to begin crafting a potential peace framework. Why haven't we seen these great leaders in our government I'm talking about the president and then our secretary of state. And then, of course, our joint chief, the 
chief of the joint staff of our military, including our Secretary of Defense, get together and broker a peace deal. I've not even heard of any serious attempts to do so. Back in February, Beijing proposed a framework for peace negotiations that included an immediate ceasefire, but the approach was widely dismissed as being light on detail and it was unworkable given China's close relationship with Russia. But apparently, Macron believes that the communist regime, which has openly threatened to launch a territorial war itself to capture the Democrat independent nation of Taiwan, is a genuine actor in the cause for peace. Speaking to London's Daily Telegraph, a French official said, Mr. Macron said publicly during his trip that he wants to get China to commit to playing a constructive role. Naturally, diplomatic discussions took place, and there's follow-up to happen. These reports come as Macron's causes outrage in Berlin and London and Washington over his comments following his trip to China, in which he said that Europe shouldn't follow America into a conflict with Beijing if the communist nation does invade Taiwan, and that Europe should develop its own strategic autonomy to stop being the vassal of the United States. Should Macron actually pull this off? I don't think I need to tell you this. It would be a major embarrassment for Joe Biden and his administration, which has focused on a military outcome rather than any attempt to play peacemaker. Biden, remember, vowed to bring stability to the world and to revamp supposedly strained relations with allies following the Trump presidency. And Biden has overseen one of the most chaotic periods on the world stage in recent memory and has alienated the U.S.'s former allies from Paris to Damascus, even to Taiwan and the Philippines. But it remains to be seen if Macron has the count, whatever clout it takes to broker a deal with the Kremlin. He previously stated that France, alongside the United States, the U.K., and Germany, should not be considered as candidates to be the mediators between Kiev and Moscow, given that the Western powers have all sent weapons to be used on the battlefield against Russian soldiers. I don't think France has done so. Just saying. Putin's obvious thirst for war and domestic damage to his reputation for being seen to bow to the West is also a critical stumbling block. It's questionable, too, if France has enough credibility with the Ukrainians. They haven't really participated in any way in this war backing Ukraine, including former British Conservative Party leader, the new party leader, Duncan Smith, noting that his role in mediating the Minks peace agreement alongside then-German Chancellor Angela Merkel back in 2014 has left a bad taste in the mouths of many in Ukraine given that it failed to stop last year's invasion. So is Macron, Macron is he going to be the savior, the great peacemaker that he wants to do? Listen, if he really did have a sit-down with Xi Jinping when he was out there, why are we just hearing about it now? What's going on out there that needs to be ignored and something 
else takes its place to try to capture the attentions of everybody to deflect what's really going on and keep our attentions off of that. It's a shame, you know, that we would even think that. We can't just trust what we hear from our leaders anymore. Let me give you another example. Do you know the name Javier Becerra? Used to be in the House of Representatives, U.S. House of Representatives from California. Then he was the Attorney General in California. And then he was tagged by Joe Biden to be the Health and Human Services Secretary. He's gotten himself in some legal trouble. He violated the Hatch Act when he advocated for the election of a Democrat. A new investigation found. Now, what's this about? Special counsel Henry Kerner said in a letter to Joe Biden that Becerra spoke in his official capacity at an awards gala in September last year, and it broke the law when he did it. Here's what is going on. As explained in the accompanying report, the special counsel concluded that Becerra violated the Hatch Act by expressing support for Senator Alex Padilla's re-election while speaking in his official capacity at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute Annual Awards Gala in September of 2022. In delivering that speech, Becerra impermissibly, illegally mixed his personal electoral preference with his official remarks. Federal employees are permitted to express support for candidates when they're speaking in their personal capacity, but the Hatch Act restricts employees from doing so when speaking as a government official. This may sound kind of benign and maybe trivial to you, but just think about the weight that goes with somebody that's an elected official at the national level, what they say. I mean, this is the secretary of DHS, or excuse me, HHS, Health and Human Services. He sits on the president's cabinet, which is the top level in the administration below the president and the vice president. So when he comes out and starts promoting and advocating and endorsing a political candidate in a race, it carries some clout that other people that aren't at that level in politics would have. That's why they passed, Congress did, the Hatch Act. Becerra said he regrets his inadvertent violation. He said, while I did not realize at the time that my off-the-cuff remarks concerning my personal voting intentions were in violation of the Hatch Act, I now understand why they were not permitted. Let me just say this. I wanted to rush to get to that last sentence. This is a guy, he's an he's a, attorney, an accomplished attorney. He's been in Congress. He served in Congress as a representative from California. He knows what the heck is okay and not okay when it comes to political campaigns. While I did not realize at the time that my off-the-cuff remarks concerning my personal voting intentions were a violation of the Hatch Act, I now understand why they were not permitted. I'll just go ahead and say it's a bald-faced lie. He knew exactly what he was doing. Let's move on. Even as 
our nation continues to fund and fund and fund and fund China, China, who is named our absolute number one enemy on the earth. We're giving money to China funding viral research. There's still not a single U.S. scientist in Chinese labs that are overseeing this U.S.-backed research. Not a person. Kansas Republican Senator Roger Marshall, he's warning we could have a new virus that breaks out at any time, and he's, he's doubling down, tripling down. Hey, guys, we're sending them millions of dollars. We're sending China millions of dollars to do viral research. Why can't we do it here? Why can't we do it in places where we know what's going on in the research projects in these laboratories around our country where we, the government, we, the people, have the power to make sure that what's going on is legal and that nobody's fiddling with it. Why don't we do that? That's a question you need to answer for yourself. I can give you my opinion, and I'll just go ahead and do that. Anthony Fauci is the one that created this whole overseas research stuff. We had research labs, clandestine research labs, scattered all around Ukraine. If you remember back at the beginning of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, everybody wondered, why didn't he just go straight for the capital city and take Kiev? Take over the entire government? He didn't even try for weeks and weeks. And all of the attacks were happening around the northeastern, the northern and the extreme northwest corners of Ukraine. Why is that? Those were the locations of the United States CIA research laboratories. Hmm. Why would Putin be so upset about those laboratories? So upset that when he invaded, those would be the first places he would go to destroy those U.S. laboratories. I think you can answer the question, just remember, they were CIA research laboratories that weren't in the United States. Why weren't they in the United States? Answer that question. When it cracks and waddles, it's a dog. It's a dog. More news today coming about the Biden family's illegal business dealings. And you say, oh my gosh, not more of that. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. I join you in that sentiment. But what we need to do is stay on top of what's going on, good and bad, and make sure our government's doing the right thing and not doing the wrong things. Details after this. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word from Your Wallet. 
down. Oh, ah, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Unforgettable. What you are. Léa Dutton perfume, like the memory of a beautiful song, lingers on and on. Léa Dutton perfume, the classic French fragrance that you can wear anywhere, anytime, makes you unforgettable. Léa Dutton perfume by Nina Ricci. So here we go again. Listen, if you joined us at the beginning of the show today, we had a, a crash, a software crash of the program that we produced this show with. Very unusual, but once again, we're out of our studios. We're down in South Florida. I'm not saying that's what caused it, but at least it was only a temporary glitch. Well, more news coming out about the Biden family syndicate. Rep Republican Nancy Mace South Carolina, she got an inside look, inside look at those very top secret confidential 100 suspicious activity reports on the Biden family. She had to go to a skiff, which is the most sensitive and most private area where people that are authorized, members of Congress are, to go inside and examine documents like these suspicious activity reports that banks throw out to the Treasury when something sinister happens in the movement of large amounts of money from sources outside the U.S. to sources inside the U.S. Very unusual for there to be many of these. But it's reported that somewhere between 100 and 500 such reports were issued by the Treasury over Biden family transactions, large amounts of money being wired into the U.S. May said, I have to tell you, there are more Bidens involved than we knew previously. She was talking and posted a video on Twitter. You can go to her vi uh, Twitter account if you want to see exactly how she said it. Every time you overturn a look under a stone, she said, there's so much more you have to look at because it's wild. The number of family members involved, and it's even the amount of the money that we're talking about in these suspicious activity reports, is astronomical, her term. Republican Representative James Comer from Kentucky, he's leading that House Oversight Committee. He said on Monday, investigators identified six more members of the Biden family who were involved in what he called a shady transaction reportedly tied to Hunter. And it, of course, this all was kicked off with that abandoned laptop that started showing evidence of what had been going on apparently for some time. 
documents from the laptop previously authenticated by multiple news sources. When everybody came out, the Biden administration came out, even before the election, oh, no, that's Russian, Russian, Russian misinformation. It was verified, all of it's true. Of course, this latest spate of information coming from these suspicious transaction reports, Biden won't even comment. Nobody in the White House will even comment about any of it. Meanwhile, guess what else happens? We discover that Chinese spies have been going around the world to free countries, giving out envelopes full of cash. And the first place we found out about it is coming out of Australia. Alexander Sergo, who is charged and is facing trial for foreign interference, allegedly got cash and envelopes in return for sensitive inside information on national security in Australia. And he is in court down there in Australia right now. The prosecution in the case alleges that Sergo, age 55, he returned to Australia earlier this year with a shopping list of information to gather for China. He's a business guy, high level. He's accused of compiling and selling details on a U.S. and U.K. pact. For short, it's called the AUK-US pact. It's a quadrilateral security dialogue about lithium mining and iron ore mining activities. And there are two spies that were named in it, Ken and Evelyn. The two Chinese spies were alleged to work for a foreign spy agency and carried out intelligence collection, which is what spy agencies do. They go somewhere else, usually to enemy countries, and they start finding out how to get information about what's going on there. And the best way to do it, of course, is money. And the love of money is the root of all evil. Prosecutor Connor McCraith told the courts down in Australia that Sergo, by his own admission, suspected the pair of being spies soon after their initial meeting in China back in early 21, but he proceeded to remain in contact with them, exchanging thousands of messages in the process. He clearly has links to the Chinese state and two people he clearly thinks work for the Chinese Ministry of State Security, he also traveled back to Australia and came back with a shopping list. This kind of stuff, if it's happening in Australia, where else do you think it might be happening? Listen, everybody needs to understand this, and I'm not preaching fear, nothing like that. Truth, facts. Take care of that stuff. We're all going to be okay. We may not like what we learn. But knowing gives us the ability to make some educated decisions. China is aggressively attacking free nations around the world and their intention. And they now, Xi Jinping, their president, he makes no bones about it. They want to take over and become what the United States has been for a long, 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 long time, especially since the completion of World War II back in 1945. 46. They want to be the guys. They want the currency to be the currency, 
the common exchange currency on the planet, replacing the U.S. dollar. And they're sending people out, finding out all of the secrets that they can about all of their enemies, military, their operations and intelligence, all those kinds of things. Can you imagine right now with the leaders we have at the Pentagon, in the FBI, the CIA, can you imagine how effective the Chinese people are, probably those spies that are trying to infiltrate and get information back to the Chinese intelligence operations, Xi Jinping and the Chinese military? Not trying to scare you, just trying to make you think. There's a lot of things going on purposely being hidden from us in the name of protecting America. If you knew all about this, if we were transparent and we just told you what we've discovered, it would cause mass chaos. That's their excuse. Meanwhile, a rush for the White House in 2024 is rapidly ramping up. And this is blowing Democrats' minds. Donald Trump now has a double-digit lead in a hypothetical Republican primary race in Arizona. A poll taken over the weekend says, thinking ahead to the 2024 Republican primary for president, if the primary were held today and the candidates were the following, for whom would you vote? And so they they put several different people's names out there, including Trump, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, former Representative Liz Cheney, former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, anti-woke businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, former VP Mike Pence, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. By the way, Pompeo, I hate it, but he announced late last week he wasn't going to run. And that whole list of potential candidates, several of who are not potential, they've already declared, Trump takes a 23-point lead over his closest potential challenger. That's Governor DeSantis. 47% support for Trump. DeSantis' support, 24%. No other individual listed came remotely close. So the survey also put, by the way, just throw this out there, a head-to-head match between Trump and DeSantis. Trump is leading, garnering support from 52% of those in this poll. DeSantis had 35%. No other potential candidate comes close as anti-woke businessman Ramaswamy, who I got to be honest with you, I really like the guy. He's a very successful entrepreneur. He's a freedom guy. He's a justice, straight-down-the-middle guy. He came in third place, 3.5% support. Former ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, fourth place, 3.2%. Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, he came in with 1.4%. What does that mean? It just means that mainstream Republicans... Rhino Republicans, those ones who say we're conservative, they're, of course, members of the Republican Party, the GOP activists. Everybody knows there's about three different sects, S-E-C-T-S, 
of people that call themselves Republicans, GOP members, MAGA, whatever you want to label yourself as. Those mainstream folks, they are scared to death of Trump coming back to the top. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is? I'm just asking. I think it's because Trump has figured out who the rhinos are. Rhino, R-I-N-O, Republican name and, and name only. And they're marked. They're revealed. And as they have been revealed, more and more of them are being exposed by their own constituents as really not being as conservative as the American people, the real conservatives in America, including a huge percentage of the independent voters who are the ones that in almost every national election, they're the ones, their choices put whoever candidate wins, puts them over the top. And these independents are looking at these rhinos, many of them in, in government already, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson. They're looking at them and saying, you know what? These people are part of that Republican machine. Now, I don't think DeSantis is. I'm, I'm positive Ramaswamy's not, and I don't think Tim Scott is. I think Nikki Haley probably is. They're looking at these people and saying, you know what? We had four years of Trump really doing some good stuff. Yeah, we hated his messaging. We hated how nasty he would get. But he pretty much nailed everybody that he went after with facts and exposed them. And then Trump did what he promised us all he would do if he was elected. In almost every case, he fulfilled his promises during his campaign. I don't remember anybody else who's ever done that. I just don't. I've only been around since 1953, never really began to notice politics debating and on all that kind of stuff until the mid-60s, late-60s. And I realized what conservatism really was and is. And that, let me just give you an example. If you look back at presidents in our history, the ones that, those of you that are 50 years old and older, you probably have, if you're in your late 50s, you probably, you know, not necessarily firsthand, but in recent history when you began to get taught about politics, John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy was a Democrat, and he beat Richard Nixon in a race back in 1960. If you want to just get your mind blown, he was a hardcore Democrat. He came from the old Democrat Party. Very wealthy family out of Boston. Catholic family. And good people. His brother was attorney general. And then Ted, his youngest brother, was a longtime U.S. senator and a powerful member of the Democrat Party from Boston. JFK was a war hero, World War II hero. And if you go back, go back and, and just do a Google search. U.S. policies during the John F. Kennedy administration, and you can even add, you can do a specific search like tax policies, things like that. He was more a conservative from top to bottom in his policies that he put out there 
than almost every Republican that's in this race and even the ones that aren't in yet but think they probably will be. In reality, JFK was a conservative. Lower taxes. He didn't like the idea of welfare. And of course, his vice president then, who became president when he was assassinated, Lyndon B. Johnson, a Democrat from Texas, he came up with the 1963 Civil Rights Act that created welfare, and it led to the destruction of the African-American family. You may hear people say that. Civil Rights Act destroyed the African-American family, and nobody explains it. Let me just give you a quick tutorage. The welfare, the whole process that came with the Civil Rights Act, when it was structured, somebody saw a way to gain control of the African-American community. Now, many people will point to a lot of different people and say, well, here's why it was like that. Here's what they did. There's a tremendous financial benefit for those who apply for and are entered in the U.S. welfare program for there not to be a mom and a dad in a household. The mom, who typically keeps charge of the kids, will get a lot more money if she's not married. Now just think about how simple that is. It's not a real complicated thought or process. Why would anybody create that environment? What would be the single purpose? And oh, by the way, since then, that's a long time ago, 1963 to 2023, you do the math, Congress has never changed it. The family, as we've known it, has long been history. Our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents' families, that structure's gone. And it's sad to think, but it's, in most cases, it's been purposely kept in place for control, for control. The building of a social justice system throughout the United States. Government, big government, more and more and more control. What are you talking about, Dan? Can you manipulate the voting of certain segments of our society by just doing some things like money, money, money? Look at what's happening now. Why do you think we have no southern border? The numbers now are up to 2 million immigrants that have come into the United States illegally during the Biden administration. Two years. Think about that. 2 million. Why would any president throw back the border wall gates and just wave people on in? Why would he have a secretary of Homeland Security that would do the same thing? not holding anybody accountable that comes into the rule of law, the laws on immigration, not trying to change immigration laws that would suffice to support your doing so. It's to be able to control people, get votes, get voters, create a permanent voting class that are Democrats 
so that we could segue away, the rest of the way away from our representative democracy to having a authoritarian government in which just a very few people at the top that would be called, oh, I don't know, Democrat Party leaders would control the policies 100% in our government. That's in the making right now. I want to shift gears a bit. We're going to do that. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to analyze. We haven't even talked about what happened in this Anheuser-Busch Bud Light debacle that we're watching over the last few weeks play out. And it looks like Anheuser-Busch shot themselves in the foot in a dramatic dramatic way. We're going to listen to a Brit analyze that for you. You're going to like this. Stuart Varney, Fox News, up next. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the French fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing Everyday Price Cuts. Thank you. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Back to the Anheuser-Busch debacle. You know what I'm talking about, Bud Light. $6 billion drop in three weeks in the value of Anheuser-Busch stock, $6 billion. Now, can you imagine how that's impacted a lot of people, people that are big-time invested in a company like that? They didn't do anything wrong. Of course, they didn't have a vote. These stockholders 
didn't have a vote on the determination, apparently, by Anheuser-Busch to go woke, totally woke, and go pro-trans. But they did. And old Mulvaney dancing around, probably weighs 95 pounds, maybe 100 soaking wet, dressed as a woman. And I'm not demeaning anybody or anything. I'm just saying it doesn't take a brain surgeon to watch that play out and not know up front, that's probably not going to work out. (laughs) I mean, come on now. He started this whole thing, this parade and all this advertising and on every media, not just touting Bud Light, but the sale... (laughs) of Nike sports bras. (laughs) Megan Kelly, longtime uh, nighttime show host on Fox News. She left and went to NBC and did a morning show. Uh, Didn't work out for her there, and uh, they terminated her contract, but they had to pay her $22.5 million guaranteed in that contract. She had to lay out a media for a couple of years. She's now doing her own podcast. And the other night... (laughs) She just went crazy. I watched it, a a little segment of it being played back. And she said, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. He's trying to sell sports bras and he doesn't have breasts. (laughs) I guess, and I don't know this, but I guess Mulvaney hadn't had the surgery yet. Anyway, Stuart Varney, a Brit, this long time here in the U.S. I really like Varney a lot. He, uh, he had an explanation for why the heck Anheuser-Busch did it. Bud Light sales dropped like a stone last week, and that's largely the result of the Mulvaney campaign. It sure looks like a rare, successful, conservative boycott. Who buys cases of beer? Young men, of course. Why should they respond to an ad campaign featuring a man who transitions into a woman? Why did Bud abandon its market? (laughs) Because they wanted a high score on the Corporate Equality Index. That is the benchmark that activists use to judge how woke corporations actually are. Get a low score, (laughs) you may get a shakedown. The thing is, these corporations are pushing politics as much as product. They're in full-scale virtue signaling mode. Like Biden, they're trying to push us all into this brave new world of identity and equity. An intellectual straitjacket, which you've got to like and accept, or you're, as Hillary once said, a deplorable. Oh, my goodness. A deplorable, somebody who is not woke. You know, I'm 69 years old, and I'm, I'm a fairly intelligent guy, at least I think I am. I've kind of been on the cutting edge of a lot of things throughout my life and my career, I can't get this. I can't get this. I'm going to confess something to you. It's just been in the last 30 days that I have figured out, because I do this show live and it's beamed around the world in 92 countries every day. I'm speaking to a lot of different people. I've got to be correct. I don't want to offend anybody with labels, with name tags. And so, think about that. I'm doing stories about transgender people. How do you know if somebody is a transgender male or a transgender female? How do you know which way is the appropriate, politically correct way to refer to someone? We can't even say 
he or her anymore. I struggled with, okay, when you say transgender male, does that mean it's a male that is transmitted his gender to a female? Well, then why would you call him a transgender female? And I found out that's the accurate, the politically correct way to talk about someone. If it's someone who's a biological male, and listen to what I'm about to tell you. We've had numerous experts on this show through the years that have told us these exact things and these exact words. Gender is determined by one thing and one thing only, chromosomes. And you can't change your chromosomes. You can call a dog a cat and pray that it learns how to meow. But even if it meows, it's still going to be a dog that meows. Now, does that trivialize all of this? No, in no way do I'm. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to say it's really difficult. I read on the flight down to South Florida, I read a list of the new okay pronouns. And it's not just pronouns for people. It's pronouns for everything. And none of it made any sense to me. Look, this is the United States of America. Constitutionally, anybody can call themselves whatever they want to. Anybody can be, quote unquote, be whoever they want to. They can act like whoever or whatever they want to. It's okay. But here is the rub. Just because someone wants to do or be or act like anything or anybody they want to doesn't make them what they want to be if they're not who they want to be. What determines who? What determines identity? Biologically, your identity was set long before you were hatched and I'm not demeaning anybody by using the term hatched. That's just the way the truth goes, and you can't change it. Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a right to have an opinion about everything. But just because I think something, that doesn't mean it's just automatically right. And what is being pushed on every American is the truth really doesn't matter. I have my truth. You have your truth. You live with your truth. I'll live with mine. But the rub is this. Those on the left who have determined it's okay to transgender yourself away from who you are biologically, they have grabbed a hold of and seized unilateral rights of determination of everything about not themselves, but everything about everybody else. Let me give an example of how crazy this gets. Protest broke out at Pitt, University of Pittsburgh, after host Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire and journalist Brad Palumbo both went to the school to debate transgender ideology which I don't need to tell you is a hot topic on college campuses today across the nation. The anger directed against the topic of discussion, quote, 
Should transgenderism be regulated by law? Oh, my God. You know that was going to not work out good. Well, it turned into fear as a loud explosion was heard and felt in the debate room. Now, this is coming from a story published by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The explosion prompted Pitt to send an emergency alert to students about a public safety emergency. Even after the debate over transgenderism concluded, protests reportedly continued outside. Some chanted, yelled, played drums, cowbells, and held LGBTQ flags as police urged them to clear off the streets. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette also reported that one protester set fire to a cardboard cutout with Mr. Knowles' face on it. Knowles later retweeted a video of students protesting on the campus of Pitt on his official Twitter account, also shared articles and posted stuff about the event that was held Tuesday. Palumbo went to Twitter. He addressed agitators on the campus directly, quote, to the protesters who tried to interrupt and shout down the event, set off fireworks in the street, and reportedly assaulted four cops. Grow the hell up, he said. The protest and then that probable explosion at the University of Pittsburgh were the latest in a series of controversies at that school that have received national attention. The university's LGBTQ task force posted several demands for the university to implement. It included expanding housing and health care to transgender students. Quote, these centers need to not be buried deep in an org chart. LGBTQIA plus staff hired need to have some level of autonomy over collaboration, programming, and resource sharing. No more of this BS departmental division gatekeeping, the task force wrote in a post on Instagram. Can you believe that? A university, major university, actually has an LGBTQIA plus staff. Athlete Riley Gaines. Oh, no, here comes a swimmer again. <laughs> she made headlines after she went to the University of Pittsburgh's campus back in March. Remember that? A 12-time All-American swimmer. Gaines called out the chaos at Pitt as many activists tried to stop her appearance at the college. She became a national figure when she objected to trans swimmer Leah Thomas participating in women's sports. Gaines pointed out the double standard that conservative speakers faced on leftist college campuses. You know, free speech is okay. We demand free speech. We can say anything. You can't stop us. We can march in the streets, scream and holler, carry our signs. We can get in your face. Yeah, you can. But just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do this. Whatever this is. I mean, I guess, based upon what we're hearing preached today, when you were a kid, if you wanted to stay out on the streets all night when mom and dad had put a uh, curfew on you, this was a common one where I grew up. When the streetlights come on, you better have your butt at home. And that was a big deal back then. I remember when the first place I lived, 
when we had streetlights. Oh my gosh, that was unheard of in South Louisiana. But nevertheless, just because you think it, you can do something, and maybe you can, doesn't mean you should do it. When Dylan Mulvaney comes to the University of Pittsburgh, he gets paid $26,000 from school funding. When Riley Gaines comes to Pitt, she gets protested, threatened with violence, attempted to get the event canceled by students, faculty, and lawmakers. Something tells me, this is Riley Gaines talking, something tells me I'm doing something right. She was talking to over 500,000 followers on Twitter. Pitt directed Fox News Digital to the following statement on its website about the incident. Listen to this, quote, On the evening of April 18, 2023, an emergency notification service message was sent alerting the campus community to an incident happening outside of O'Hara Student Center. There were several groups gathering, including guests arriving for a speaker event and counter demonstrators in the vicinity. In addition to several devices, which produced significant smoke, an incendiary device was thrown in the direction of officers, triggering this message. As the situation evolved, several buildings were temporarily closed, visits, visitors to residence hall restricted as a safety precaution. Throughout this, these details and additional information were regularly posted on emergencypit.edu throughout the evening until such time as an all clear could be issued. That's what we've come to, folks. First Amendment, everybody's taking it and saying we can do anything, say anything, go anywhere because the First Amendment gives us that authority. Unless, wait a minute now, unless you disagree with the left's policies. What policies, Dan? All policies. And by the way, they can't give you a list of what the policies are. They can give you a list that has a whole bunch of crap written in it or typed in it or whatever else, but then they'll tell you, well, this is a start. These are the things that we demand. But don't think this is all. We don't have it all down yet, but we're going to, it'll be coming in layer after layer, day after day. And just because it's us, we can say and do and implement any of these. But don't you dare push back. Don't you dare use your First Amendment rights. We control who, when, and how anybody gets to use their First Amendment's rights. And by the way, our government agrees with them. Sweeping across the nation, universities, many public universities that get public taxpayer funding have adopted this wokeism in every possible way. Nobody wants to offend anybody else, so how can we keep from doing that? Hey, when the streetlights come on, you better have your butt at the house. They can't dare adopt that kind of thinking. They can't make the rules, they being administrators and, you know, those evil people in charge that write those checks that pay for those scholarships, pays for those public institutions, infrastructure, and all those things. Those people can't say anything. If they do, 
Oh, that means they're not woke. We can't bear to have anybody in charge of anything in this nation that's not woke. Hmm. Well, 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 what else is happening? What else do we have in our faces today? On a national level, you know, we borrow money all the time. We don't have money to pay for the stuff that this government is spending trillions, not billions anymore. We used to shudder thinking about a government spending millions and then billions, and we, we just ran past the end of the billions ideology, financial ideology, and we just jumped all over trillions. What's another three zeros, right? We're borrowing whatever we spend. We don't have any of it. Meanwhile, under the policies put in place during Donald Trump's first year as president, this government still is receiving more tax revenue than the previous government ever did. It's still growing, but it's those evil conservative tax ideologies, those ideals that come out of that are the ones that are destroying our nation, yet all that money's coming in still because of the Trump tax cuts. The left will never admit to that, but it is. Meanwhile, we can only borrow as a nation what Congress approves the upper limit. And of course, every administration, whatever that upper limit is, they're going to go right up to it. They may not cross the line, but they're going to walk up right to the line. And do every time. We are facing a debt limit crisis in our government. And so the Biden administration very plainly told the House that's controlled by Republicans, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy specifically said, hey, you're the ones that have to create whatever the increase is, present it to the House of Representatives pass it in the House, and if you find some consensus for how much you're going to increase it and all of the restrictions and guidelines in it, if you put anything in it besides just straight giving us a blank check, Biden said, I'm not going to sign it into law. McCarthy's got a plan. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's got a plan. I'll shut up for a minute. Here's the plan. Republican leaders in the House say the U.S. has more than 31 trillion reasons to tighten the purse strings. Our national debt is too high. Far too high. And the problem is getting worse, not better. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy previewed a plan that calls for lifting the debt ceiling for one year. It'll contain spending cuts and revenue raisers that he says will limit Washington spending, save taxpayers money, and grow the economy. President Biden has maxed out the nation's credit card. He's done it by re reckless spending. And here we're going to be rolling out a plan to address that problem. The White House blasted House Republicans in a tweet saying they're, quote, holding the economy hostage by using the debt ceiling as a way to trigger spending cuts. I'll be blunt. If Speaker McCarthy continues in this direction, we are headed to default. During an appearance on Fox News Monday, McCarthy wouldn't say if he had enough votes in the narrowly divided chamber to raise the debt limit. Now, while there's no official date as for when the U.S. could possibly default if the debt ceiling isn't boosted, officials say it could happen within months. 
Republicans should work with Democrats in good faith to avoid default together, just as we did under President Trump. Just as what President Reagan talked about. No blackmail, no brinksmanship, no default. I'm John Lawrence reporting. Republicans must work with Democrats. We've got to raise our debt limit or we're going to default. We're not going to pay our bills. Well, what bills are they talking about paying? It's the interest on the debt for the money that they have spent. More than $4 trillion President Biden's administration has spent. And every dime of it were for things that we had to have. We had to do. We've got to do this and do that. We've got all these immigrants looking for a great place to live, to make a new home and a life, better life for their families. We've got to help them out. We've got to give them a leg up. We've got, oh, we don't know who they are, what they did when they were in their former country. We don't know how many of them are good people. We don't know even if they're sick when they come here. But we've got to pay for their transportation, their housing. We've got to provide them cell phones. Oh, their kids. We've got to take care of their kids. Free health care. Free education. By the way, we're already doing that. Even though it's all illegal, we're already doing it. No administration has the unilateral right to spend a dime of taxpayer money. It has to be given to them through legislation that comes from the House of Representatives. A plan, oh my gosh, an actual plan, a bill. They vote on it. Those 535 representatives of the United States uh, House of Representatives and those senators across the aisle, they're the ones that are supposed to be responsible for and control all the spending. You just heard Chuck Schumer, majority leader in the Senate. Republicans must work with Democrats. There's nothing to work with. Democrats want a blank check. Republicans say, nope, we've got to increase the debt limit. We understand that. But we've also got to take control of the massive, rampant spending by the Biden administration, much of which happens not through legislation, but through Joe Biden and his executive orders. Takes unilateral control. That's called an authoritarian, I'm just saying, Representative Republic, which is what the United States was founded to be, and it's been for 247 years now, a representative republic, no authoritarian leader has the authoritative authority to make these kind of decisions and choices. He doesn't represent all Americans in government, the people that we elect to go there the ones that should have these rights and do, by the way. They're the ones that own the rights and have the responsibility to do these things. Meanwhile, as you know, the House Judiciary Committee went to Manhattan and on Monday they had an open public hearing about criminality in New York City, basically because that prosecutor Alvin Bragg 
He came into power. He was elected, by the way. People in Manhattan elected him to be their prosecutor. And he is anti-cop, anti-justice, and he just destroyed the rule of law in New York City. Meanwhile, crime has just gone through the roof there. And people in New York, we, we played one segment from that hearing yesterday for you, a mother whose son, former military hero, was just slaughtered on the streets of Manhattan. Alvin Bragg unilaterally, not according to a jury, he unilaterally cut the sentences for those that slaughtered her son. Several of them are walking the streets free and the Number one perpetrator of the whole thing will be out of prison in 17 months. They murdered, first-degree murder of her son. So former New York City Police Commissioner Ray Kelly, you see him every once in a while on some of these news shows. He was speaking about what the House did, having that field hearing on crime in New York on Monday. He stated that that prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, is a major contributor to increases in crime in New York City. Kelly was at the hearing. He said, I liked it. I like the fact that victims of crime can speak directly to politicians. They avoid that as much as they possibly can. But yes, Chairman Jordan, Jim Jordan of Ohio, was right on target as far as police officers being treated with such disrespect across the country. Kelly added, you walk along the streets of New York, you can see how much the quality of life has deteriorated. That's why people are leaving in droves. It's right there. You can see it plain as day. Fox host Maria Bartiromo then asked the commissioner, to what do you attribute that to, the increase in crime and the resignation increase across the political spectrum and the police force? Kelly answered, well... I attribute it to the administration, certainly the administration of former Mayor Bill de Blasio. He set the tone, so to speak. And then our current Mayor Eric Adams has not done the things that would significantly reduce crime. Bring back the anti-crime units. Do stop, question, and frisk in a more active way. I think he's trying to get the subways back, but that's another, that's another challenge. So I think it really has to do with Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg is the major contributor to this because other district attorneys in New York City followed the lead of the Manhattan district attorney. Wow. It's that rule of law thing. (laughs) There are a lot of people... They don't like it. Most of the people in government that don't like it, they don't need it because they surround themselves with paid by campaign contributions. Elected officials have the right to use campaign dollars for personal security. Did you know that? And so all these far lefties, the ones that are outwardly anti-police, defund the cops, all that, they surround themselves with armed guards. Their homes are surrounded with fences and they have 24-7 armed guards. They don't need the cops, right? Oh my gosh. Have you heard about the big debacle 
Fox News caught up in a uh, lawsuit. Dominion Voting System sued Fox. They sued him for $1.6 billion, B with a B, a defamation suit. What was that all about? Because Fox News, they went on and carried all the reporting of many, many people that felt like the election was fixed in 2020. Opening statements in that Dominion voting system case defamation suit against Fox were set to begin yesterday in Delaware Superior Court. But after an hour's long delay, the judge, Eric Davis, he entered the courtroom just before four yesterday afternoon and dismissed the jurors. And he said, the parties have resolved their case amicably. The voting machine company had accused Fox of giving life to a, quote, manufactured storyline about voter fraud after the 2020 election. Fox agreed to pay Dominion $787.5 million last night. Came in an 11th hour settlement that averved, averted a defamation trial about the network's coverage of the 2020 presidential election. After the jury was dismissed, attorney for both parties thanked the court. Judge Davis, in turn, complimented their professionalism. This brings to an end the contentious case that saw the voting machine company accuse Fox News of giving life to a manufactured storyline about voter fraud after the election. Now, here are the details. Dominion had accused Fox of peddling conspiracy theories regarding Trump's defeat by Joe Biden and filed that $1.6 billion lawsuit against Fox News. Dominion lawyer Justin Nelson said in a news conference that Fox is paying that $787.5 million to settle the case. That number, he says, represents vindication and accountability. Lies have consequences, he said. So, here's what Fox said in their statement. Quote, we are pleased to have reached a settlement of our dispute with Dominion Voting Systems. We acknowledge the court's ruling finding certain claims about Dominion to be false. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. We are hopeful that our decision to resolve this with Dominion amicably instead of the acrimony of a divisive trial will allow the country to move forward from these issues. Speaking directly after this settlement was announced, one source close to the Dominion team said it was the right thing for the client, but we were ready to try the case. Judge Davis said, while announcing the conclusion of the case, quote, I've been on the bench since 2010. I think this is the best ordering I've had. The briefing professionalism, it's difficult stuff. I've never had as good a lawyering from here in the 13 years. The quality of briefing, the ability of attorneys to answer questions, the amount of workload that you've done, I'd be proud to be your judge in the future. I could probably sit here for a while and pontificate about my personal sense and personal feelings. But I'm going to handle it by telling you this. If you've not seen the movie 2,000 Mules, you can get it online. Tens of millions of Americans have watched it. 
All I'm going to say is if you want to know what happened, documented evidence across the board, download the movie 2,000 Mules and watch it. Well, we're approaching a real presidential race coming up in just a few months. It'll begin. 2024, we got to elect uh, an entire United States House of Representatives. You realize that every two years they have to run, either for the new ones that want to get in an office and replace a previous one or any of those that want to be reelected. And every four years, every second election at the national level, we elect a president and vice president. So the vying for the spot at the top, it's already begun in earnest. And one guy that is a big player in presidential past races, and when I use the term big, I really mean big, talking about former Governor Chris Christie from New Jersey. Yesterday, it's reported he met with dozens of his former staffers and advisors telling them He's continuing to mull a run in 2024 himself. He and more than three dozen of his former staffers and advisors, they convened at Mission in DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. If we go forward, we're told, we want all of you to be with us, Christie told them. Thank you to all of you for everything you've already done for us. It's been really, really an amazing ride. And you know what? It might not just be over yet. If he declares, he will be the fifth candidate to enter the Republican primary. Already we have Donald Trump, former Governor Nikki Haley from South Carolina, anti-woke businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. For now, he joins the ranks of Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, who both are flirting with White House bids, though they have not yet announced that they are going to run. Christie, who used to be a really big Trump ally, and then, of course, he went postal against Trump in the race back in uh, 2020, 2016, too. Christie took a swipe at the presidency back in 2016 in a deeply crowded field, he failed to get a single delegate, placing 10th, along with the likes of former Governor Jim Gilmore. Have you even heard of him? He was a Republican governor in Virginia. And former Senator Rick Santorum from Pennsylvania, also a Republican. Christie's been really critical of Trump through the years. And Trump has more than 50% of support in much of the latest polling. We shared some of that with you at the top of the show. In February last year, Christie said that Trump incited the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, only to walk his comments back the next day when he was pressed by Hugh Hewitt on his show, Hugh Hewitt's show on radio, kind of like this one. Christie also said the FBI had no choice but to carry out the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in its documents probe while appearing on ABC's This Week in September. In February, he went after Trump over the 2020 election, stating that despite President Biden's flaws as a candidate, he was running against someone who was so toxic that he won anyway. 
If you're listening in right now, look at your computer, look at your phone. I'm going to ask you a question. I need your opinion. If you think former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has a snowball's chance in Hades of being the Republican candidate for president in 2024, raise your hand. I'm watching, looking. Not one hand went up. By the way, Christie's also launched a tirade of criticism against Ron DeSantis. DeSantis, just so you know, he's consistently polled as the second strongest candidate. Speaking with one news agency yesterday, Christie suggested DeSantis has been outflanked in his battle with Disney. That's not the guy I want sitting across from President Xi and negotiating our next agreement with China or sitting across from Putin and trying to resolve what's happening in Ukraine if you can't see around a corner that Disney CEO Bob Iger created for you, Christie said. Christie also voiced his disapproval uh, of DeSantis' conflict with Disney in general, stating, I don't think we should be heavy, heavily regulating business. Based on that, Chris Christie doesn't have a clue about Florida. By the way, if you followed DeSantis's war with Disney, everybody was thinking at Disney, they challenged DeSantis what he did, which was to pull Disney's long, decades-long approval to be their own entity within the state of Florida, which meant they didn't have to pay state taxes, yada, yada, yada. DeSantis pulled it out. He got, he got the legislature of Florida to renege on that deal and to cancel it. Disney filed a big suit against it, and they were dancing around because they thought they had shopped and found a judge that would make DeSantis relent. And guess what happened yesterday? They lost the battle. And so the Florida's people, Florida's people, the taxpayers, Looks like they're going to get a little bit of relief from what they have been spending on Disney. You know, there are so many moving parts to life now. I mean, it's unbelievable how many of those we have. And it's, it's almost like playing whack-a-mole every day. This one pops up, we bang on the head. This one pops up, we bang on the head. Your source of truth in a chaotic world, 24-7, online, on your devices. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here what? we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. <clears throat> 
for over 70 <laughs> What are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico, saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me, don't look at me. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Sounds a little bit like South Florida, doesn't it? Oye, como va? That's where we have been this week. We've been in our Florida studios doing TNN Live, headed back to Northwest Louisiana. We've got a bunch of new listeners in today's show, and I want to say thank you. And if you don't know this, this is live. You can get it the same way you signed in today. You can get it every day. We broadcast Monday through Friday. 92 different countries get this show live. 92 different ones. That's, that's, that's kind of hard to believe. And we're honored that that many people are interested in what we present here. It just tells you a lot about people around the world and the fear and the concern that many, many people have about what's going on in their nations. And, of course, we, most Americans, feel that same way, too. we got to find the truth. We've got to get facts. And so if you today are listening for the first time, please know this. Within a half hour after the show is over every day, you can then go get that day's show and every previous TNN Live show at 37 different podcast hosting websites, places like Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, uh, Google, even on Facebook at TNN Live's page. So you don't ever have to miss the show. And I understand it's hard during a workday to just sit down and listen to two hours. And so maybe you get a, a chunk of it, and I'm glad that you do that. But I want you to understand the stuff that we talk about here is well vetted. We've been able to approve that it is the truth or that it isn't the truth. And when we are looking into something that's out there floating around on the blogosphere, we may be in investigation and we'll come here live and tell you, hey, look, this is going on and that's what our here's what our findings say so far. But we'll tell you if we don't know for sure if it's real or that it's not real, we'll tell you that. And we do it this way. Look, we're investigating this. Here's our preliminary finding. We're still looking into it. And if we find out factually that it is real, we'll come back and confirm that to you. And if we find out it's not real... We'll come back and confirm that too. We just want you to know today we're looking into it. That's how we function here. And we don't, we don't dare tell people this is where you need to come every day to get the real things in news that are important. We feel like that we're one of the good sources because you can come here and you're going to get the truth. 
every time we tell you something's factual, we've proven that it is. But even then, we, we have always from the beginning of this show, several years ago, we've told our listeners, just because we say it, we don't want you to take that as 100% factual. Find from what we give you. You can go online, you can check other news sources, and you can find out if we're absolutely true. Get it in your heart and your mind personally. Don't just listen to us or any other news source and say, that's it, that's it. We automatically know it. Too many Americans today are doing just that, and it's not working out very well for them or for us. But thank you for being here. Do you remember nationally, I know YouTube was all over it, a sheriff from St. Landry Parish in South Louisiana. He was a guy that stood up, full uniform. He had a bunch of police cars behind him, even some military vehicles. They were showing weapons. His name is Clay Higgins. The former sheriff from St. Landry Parish was up there telling people, look, in St. Landry Parish, if you're a, a criminal and you're thinking about coming somewhere remote in our state, to try to be able to do you, your criminal acts, don't bother to come here because we are committed to the rule of law. We will hold lawbreakers of every, la every level, every kind of law that is broken in our state, in our parish, and in our towns. We're going to hold you accountable. So if you're a criminal, you don't want to come here. The people of St. Landry Parish, they decided their sheriff needed to go to a new level politically. And so they elected him to the U.S. Congress. Representative Higgins is in his second term now. I love to hear him talk. He's a, he's a Cajun. I'm from South Louisiana. I lost my South Louisiana accent years ago when I got in radio. He still has his but he is very demonstrative when he speaks. In a committee hearing last week that was about illegal immigration, Clay Higgins talked about a segment of our society in illegal immigration that are being lost. Illegal children that come into this nation. Here's Congressman Clay Higgins. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Madam, thank you for being with us today. What happens uh, when these minors that you're charged with, with supervising to some extent, what happens when they turn 18? When they turn 18, um, we report uh, that to DHS and we provide a plan for them to um, access. But they're out of your supervision at that point. That is correct. Okay. So just to clarify this for America, when, when we discuss unaccompanied minors, Americans envision a, a lost, frightened, abandoned, small child. And as compassionate children of God, every American wants to just hug that child and care for that child. But that's not the reality, America. What they're, t what they're talking about here 
is, is not a lost and abandoned and a frightened small child. The vast majority of these so-called children, unaccompanied children, are actually undocumented, illegal young adults. They come into your system with whatever vetting. I'm not going to argue about it because you got no answers. They come into your system with whatever standard of vetting you're deciding that month to enforce. You, they get sent at expense of the American people. They get sent to their home of destination, recorded destination. They're 16, 17 years old. They're already short-timers in your system when they enter your system. And they're out, man. They're into the fabric of, of our country. They turn 18. They're gone. Of course, you say 81%. You chose your words very carefully, an intelligent American woman. Said 81% of the time you've spoken to the sponsor or the child. I would get I would be willing to bet. I'm not gonna ask you, because you'll say you'll get back with us with that data. You don't know it. But I'd be willing to bet that that 90% of the 81%, you spoke to some adult on the phone that identified himself as yeah, I'm the sponsor. Yeah, that's it. Check that box. We've contacted either the sponsor or the child, who's not really a child. It's a 17-year-old young adult about to be out of your system. What does your, what does your department do with reports from local law enforcement, ma'am, when they're investigating... Uh, criminal actions that include allegations of physical or uh, psychological trauma or abuse for the for the young adults or so-called children that are allegedly under your character. What do you do? How many reports do you receive from local or state law enforcement across the country? Because these 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 young undocumented adults are scattered across America. And they're coming into contact with local law enforcement. And I advise you, I already know the answer to this question, but I'd like to see what you have to say about it. What does your organization do? How frequently do you interact? Do you look at reports from local or state law enforcement that involve criminal investigations where your minor has been encompassed in that investigation in some way, not necessarily as a suspect, perhaps as, as a victim of the circumstance of the criminal environment that they find themselves in. Thank you, Congressman. Um, ORR's custodial care ends when they're released to a vetted sponsor, so we do not track children. Um, however, if law enforcement or CPS, if we become aware, we absolutely um, uh, uh, cooperate, support. Um, it is local law enforcement and CPS that have the jurisdiction um, for children once they have been uh, released from our care. If a call does come into the National Call Center reporting exploitation, abuse, we absolutely work with local law enforcement entities as well as the Office for Trafficking in Persons, DHS, et cetera. Let me ask you this. 
We know this has been happening for years and years. Remember those DACA kids? Remember those, the deferred action kids? Their moms and dad brought those kids here illegally. They get into the United States and these kids grow up. They're not citizens. And so now we have 18, 20-year-old kids, some 22, 24-year-old that are in the nation and they got here, though they were illegal, wasn't their fault. Their parents brought them in. That's one segment. But then look at what's happening now around our nation when it comes to 2 million illegals coming in just during the Biden administration. How many of those are kids? How many kids have been trafficked by smugglers, human smugglers into the United States, used for all kinds of surreptitious activities, sex slavery, selling them? It's just one thing after another. What happens to those kids when they grow up? What happens to the ones that came here unaccompanied and they go into the Department of Health and Human Services they take over, the DHS takes over, Homeland Security, of making sure these kids are taken care of. How many of them do you think really are? That's a great question to ask. But somebody needs to remember, we've got to take care of these kids. And the best way to do it is to keep mom, dad, and kids together and follow our immigration law when they come across the border and they're caught process them according to the law, keep them together, and let's humanely return them to their nation of origin. After all, that's what the law says. That's a wrap on the show today. We're ending a few minutes early. We're going to be back in our studios in Louisiana tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. East Coast. We'll be here every Monday through Friday, which we have been for years now. And we want to leave the show today with a good taste in your mouth, with a great song. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie. Took all the trees and put them in a tree museum And charged the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie
She wanna get 